This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, how are you guys doing? Merry Christmas Eve Eve, as Kobe would say. Um, so if you guys can't tell, Pastor Tim is still not feeling well from this morning. So he's uh, staying home getting some rest. So you guys can keep him in his prayers. Um, he's uh, battling some stomach stuff. So uh, got a couple announcements for you before we get started. The... First thing is we're going to have our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It's going to be tomorrow at 5. It's a family service, so we're going to have two and under in the nursery in the back, but uh, all the other kids will have out here, and uh, it should be a good time. Um, There'll be a a message, you know, a a bit shorter than usual. I mean, it'll still be a a message, and then we're going to have our soup and dessert potluck right after. So if you guys have never been to a soup and dessert potluck, it is awesome, especially with the way the the weather's been, you know, nice and chilly. It's great. Um, The last softball game is going to be this Friday at 8.15. If you guys haven't been yet, it's right across the street at Sunset Park. Um, It's always a blessed time. Um, even when we don't win or anything like that, you know, there's there's been tons of testimony that comes from it where they pray with the other team. Um, you know, I know one sh- story they, they shared was, uh, you know, they asked the team if they wanted to pray and like half the team was like, oh no, we don't do that. And then there was a couple people that were like, oh, I would love to pray like from the team, you know, from the, the opposing team. And so it's, it's just an awesome uh, time to witness and to go out and kind of cheer on the team. But it will most likely be cold, so bring a bring a jacket. And then also uh, the Croatia trip. This is the fourth annual Croatia mission trip that we've done. Um, and uh, this year it's going to be at the end of May or beginning of June. Um, we still haven't locked in the dates yet. But if you guys are interested in that, um, make sure to sign up in the back on the interest list. Uh, I've been all three prior years. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it this one, which is really sad, but um, it's a it's a blessing. Usually we land in Rome because it's far more... Um, it's less expensive to fly into Rome than to fly into Croatia. And then we'll either take a train or a ferry or rent a car and then cruise on around... Last year, we went and visited a bunch of missionaries all throughout the area there, and it, it was such a blessing for us and such a blessing for them because, uh, you know, they don't they don't get a lot of visitors over there, so it's a, it's a great time, um, and and it'll definitely change your life. I can promise you that. So um, tonight we're going to be in Mark chapter ten. Um, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. Cliff will get you guys a a Bible, and. Uh, I'll go ahead and pray for us before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for that uh, that worship, Lord. Thank you that we can use song. You've given us song to be able to reflect the things that we're, we're feeling, Lord. Um, a lot of times we might not be able to put into words the, the feelings and the 
the the things that are in our heart, Lord. And and I feel you've given a song that we can we can show our love and our our gratitude and our worship to you in that way, Lord. Just want to thank you for our our worship team and um, the the calling you've put on their life, Lord. I just want to pray for tonight, Lord. Pray for the message you've given me for everyone here. Pray that you'd anoint my words, Lord. That it would not be me speaking, but it would be your your message through me. Just pray for Pastor Tim that you would heal him quickly, Lord, and um, get him better for, for tomorrow night for Christmas Eve service. And uh, just pray for those here, Lord. You give them a, a special blessing coming out Sunday night, Lord, to worship you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So um, when I was preparing for this message, I was asking God what he he had for me and what he wanted me to share. And he really put it on my heart to share kind of what he's taught me about callings on our lives. I've talked to a lot of people and they tell me that they don't know what God's calling is on their life or, you know, they wish the Lord would just give them their calling. And so I kind of wanted to share with you through Mark 10 here, uh, my understanding of, of how God gives you a calling and what God's calling is, I believe on, on all of our lives, you know, I believe I can tell you what your calling is. So it's going to be going to be interesting. But looking at myself, when I was first wondering this, when I was uh, first became a believer, I think all of us, uh, it, you know, if we are believers, uh, I love that I see new faces. So normally Sunday nights, I can be like, all of us are believers. But I mean, I guess if you're here Sunday night, probably a good chance. But when I first became a believer, that was one of the, the first things I would seek the Lord for. You know, I would say, God, tell me what my calling is. You know, I look at like these great guys of faith, like George Mueller, you know, who, if you guys don't know, he like single-handedly planted, you know, dozens of orphanages in Europe and all through faith. He never asked for for one penny. He just prayed and, and it was given to him, you know, from the Lord. And so, you know, I would seek the Lord and say, like, what is my calling? You know, and I expected one day the Lord would, would you know, speak to me audibly or like show me some great sign or, you know, a fire in a bush, you know, like he, he uh, did for Moses and tell me, you know, this great, huge calling that he had on my life that I was going to go save thousands, you know, and all this stuff. Um, or, you know, I thought maybe I'll be this prolific teacher, you know, maybe the Lord's going to give me the words and I can, I can teach and, and preach. Or uh, those of you that know, I, I do computer programming, you know, so maybe I was going to be this like crazy computer programmer for the Lord. I was going to write these applications that connected Christians and, you know, do all this stuff. Or, or maybe I was going to be this big shot businessman that went and, you know, not only like made all this money for the Lord, but, but, you know, used it for good and then, and then converted all these these people living in the world, you know, at the top of these corporations, you know, I had all these, these crazy pictures of what it looked like to serve the Lord. And one day it kind of hit me that all of these, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, wishes or, you know, ideas of grandeur or whatever, were all glorifying myself. You know, it was all me elevating myself to these grand positions where I had some sort of influence over, over other people. Um, and, and what the Lord told me is, well, none of those can be right. You know, that, that can't be your calling because, um, my heart wasn't right. Not that those couldn't be callings from the Lord, but my heart in it was, I wanted to be important. 
You know, I wanted to be, you know, this, this, this huge guy for God. And, you know, I wanted to be really important. And, uh, you know, I, what I realized is that true callings are very rarely that grandiose. And, and if they are, they usually don't realize it in the beginning. You know, it, like if you think of someone like Billy Graham, you know, it, it wasn't like it, he was told, hey, you're going to save millions of people, you know. Honestly, I think it would probably scare us. Like if, if God really did tell us that, you know, probably be a little scared. Um, but usually it's, it's not, it's not that grandiose. It's not that big. Um, callings are normally kind of circumstantial and, and kind of mundane. You know, it's usually things right in your life that you can do. Um, my true calling really didn't click for me until I just started filling needs that the church had. I remember one of the the first things I did was uh, I did like facility stuff. I'd like come in and clean the bathrooms and kind of set up the the room. Before we had this building, we would rent it from someone else. And so they would have all their stuff set up. So we'd have to come in, take that all down, put our stuff up. And then uh, I served in children's ministry for like a year, which that was challenging. I would rather clean bathrooms than serve in children's ministry. Um, And uh, once I started serving in these capacities, God slowly revealed to me what it really means to be called. And, And to me, and what I'm hoping to kind of show you through the text is what it means to be called is filling the need that, that God's already put you in. You know, whether it's at work or, or in, at home in your family or in the local church, there's tons of needs. There's always needs. And what you'll start finding is if you're listening to those needs and asking God to show you where you fit in, you'll have more callings than you know what to do with. You know, God, oh, the children's ministry needs help. You know, we got, uh, you know, our setup crew and, and all that kind of stuff. We've got uh, greeters and ushers. You know, we've there's literally no end. We've got evangelism and all kinds of stuff. And so um, that's kind of what the Lord showed me, is that if you'll be open to it, your calling is more to follow Jesus wherever that leads you than it is this particular thing, you know, than it is this, this big idea, you know, like I, I had before that I was going to be. Um, and sometimes it's, it's lifelong, you know, like that was one thing that I kind of had a misunderstanding of in the, in the beginning was I thought I was going to get this calling and that's just what I was going to do. You know, I mean, you even talk to pastors, you know, you've, you've had pastors that are at churches for 10, 20 years, and then all of a sudden the Lord calls them to go and do something else, calls them into the mission field or calls them to plant a church in some obscure little town or, or things like this. And I think that's common. I think that, that the Lord will call you someplace for a season, whether that's, you know, a few months or 20 years. Um, but we have to be open to the fact that, uh, the Lord might have many things that he's calling us to fulfill in our life. And it's not just like this one thing that we're going to stay stuck on our whole life. Um, so as we get into the text, there's there's a ton in Mark 10 that, that we could kind of go into. Um, but I'm going to try and stick on this topic of, of the calling on our lives. Um, but I'll, I will kind of bring a couple of other things up. So we'll start in verse 1. It says, Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan, and multitudes gathered to him again, and as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Testing him. 
So here, um, the Pharisees are trying to kind of catch Jesus as they normally try to do. And and what was happening here, there was two schools of thought on divorce um, with the the Jewish people back then. One was they in Deuteronomy they had a um, they were permitted. You know, it wasn't a commandment. It was just like a. a a grace from the Lord, I guess, you know, that Moses had allowed them to give these permits of divorce. Um, and one of the requirements was that that the the spouse, the wife, had to be unclean. And so there was one faction of the Jewish people that said unclean was ever, only sexual, sexually immoral. That's what unclean meant. But then there was another faction that that got as silly as burning the dinner. Like if, if the wife burnt the dinner, that was grounds for divorce, you know? And so that, there were these two sides. And so what the Pharisees were trying to do when they came to Jesus with this question was they were trying to pit Jesus against one side or the other. Because no matter how Jesus answered this, one side's going to be upset. And so Jesus knew that, of course, and he answered and said to them, what did Moses command? This is verse 3. He answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so the idea that Jesus is bringing in here is marriage isn't a man-made union. This isn't just something that, that man has decided to do. Marriage is between the husband, wife, and God. And so if you're going to be considering divorce or anything like that, God has to be in that picture. Because if God's joined you together, no matter what man says, no matter what paper or different thing you do, if God hasn't you know, agreed to this separation, you're not separate, you know, no matter how you look at it. Um, and Jesus goes on to explain this in verse 10. He says, In the house his disciples also asked him again about the same matter. So he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Um, so there is some aspect of taking the whole counsel of God we have to take into account here. Because in Matthew, it, it's added that divorce, divorce is permissible when sexual immorality is involved. So just take that into account. But what he's trying to say here is if God's joined you together and in God's eyes you're married, it, it, if you separate like based on what man says, you're still married in God's eyes. So that's why it's adultery if, you know, the husband goes or the wife goes and 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 marries and and so forth. Um but where I want us to look at here as far as like calling goes, is I've known quite a few people who are married and one's a believer and one's an unbeliever. You know, who, like in that list where I was like, these are all the things that I think God's going to call me to do. Who signs up for that calling? You know, Lord, I want you to call me to a, a marriage with an unbeliever, you know, that I have to, I have to go with th through, through life, you know. And to me, these people have some of the most incredible testimonies that I've ever heard. You talk about submission to the Lord. Uh, when when Steph and I got married, 
neither of us were believers. You know, we were 18, we were young, having fun, all this kind of stuff. And I thank God, you know, probably not as much as I should, but pretty frequently that we both got saved because I don't know, I don't know how I could do it if I had this commitment to the Lord and I'm like, all right, let's go to church. Let's do this. I need to serve. Sorry, babe. I can't do this because I got to study for, for the lesson. And, and if she didn't understand that and wasn't on the same page as me, I don't know. I don't know how I could do it. It would be hard. But yet there's, there's multiple people that I know that, that that's their testimony and they, they serve the Lord because that's what they were called to. You know, the, the, they were put in this situation and because of that, that, that's now their calling. Their calling is now to witness to their spouse, you know, until the spouse gets saved or, or God calls them home, one or the other. And to me, that's, that's such a, a testimony of, of just obedience to the Lord. Um, you know, like I wrote here, no one pines for that kind of calling. No one, no one is like, you know, bragging about how, you know, they have such this great calling because they're, they're married to an unbeliever. But to me, those are the type of callings that God will put on our life. You know, God will put that type of calling on our life because, um, the people that I've talked to, it's, it's, it's edifying for them as well as, as whether their spouse sees it that way or not, as a blessing for their spouse, you know, to have that witness, to have someone that's so committed to you that they'll, they'll continue to, to just be that witness and, and be in that relationship. Going into verse 13, we're going to see um, some children come to Jesus. And so verse 13 says, Then they brought little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. So obviously I've got to plug children's ministry here. Um, you know, like I said before, I'd rather be cleaning toilets than doing children's ministry, but... According to Jesus, that shouldn't be my heart. You know, my heart should be for the children. Um, Jesus right there said, for of such is the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is talking about there is much in the way that little children come to their parents and, and trust them wholeheartedly and just follow them blindly. That That's how we're meant to follow Jesus. We're meant to, you know, come to Jesus with with adoration and, and total trust um, and belief in, in things that are unseen. You know, uh, you know, it's that time of year, you know, depending on, on where you land with that, you know, kids believe a lot of things that they can't see. And that's what we're called to do a lot of times with, with what Jesus uh, asks us to do, you know, not necessarily just our faith in Jesus, but also in the things that he promises. You know, when you read the Bible and there's these things that Jesus promises, and then I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times I kind of look at my circumstances and I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's hard right now. You know, I know this is what you said. I believe you, you know, but there's always that, that, uh, that urge to kind of like, well, maybe I should take this one into my own hands or, Maybe I should hedge my bets a little bit, you know, in case the Lord doesn't come through. And that, that's where we can, we can fall off. But we're, we're to be like children. Um, and, and I think here what Jesus is, is trying to, to, to show here is we're called to, to serve. And if, if it's children, then we're called to serve children. And yeah, 
children can be um, energetic and and hard for for us sometimes. You know, I for those of you that don't know, I have four kids, so I I know the struggle. Um, but I believe God calls a lot more of us to children's ministry than than we might think. You know, a, a lot of people think, well, if I'm not naturally good with kids, I'm not called to children's ministry. Well, trust me, I'm not naturally good for with kids, and I did it for a year, you know, and it was hard, but I can tell you it grew me more <laughs> than, than almost anything I've ever had to do because you want to talk about like patience, you know, when, when, when the Lord wants to give you patience, that'll, that'll give you some patience dealing with a, a room full of kids after about, you know, they, they last usually about a half hour or so you can keep them entertained, but the other hour, you know, it's, uh, you'll be praying for sure. Um, I put a note here. Sometimes what God calls us to is hard. You know, sometimes I would actually say most of the time God's going to call us to do something that's not easy for us. You know, now God gives us gifts and talents and the ability to fulfill those things, but that doesn't mean it's easy. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, just because someone is, I'll use this as just because someone's good at teaching or someone's good at public speaking doesn't mean it's easy for them. You know, I've talked to a lot of, of pastors who their stomach's in knots, they're nervous, they're sweating, you know, every Sunday before they come to teach. Because, you know, if you look at Moses, right? We look at Moses in the Old Testament. God called Moses to come out and, and Moses is like, I'm, I'm weak in tongue. You know, some people say he had a speech impediment or something like that. But that's what God called him to do. It's like, Moses, I didn't tell you it'd be easy. I just said I want you to do it, you know, so be faithful, trust me, and do it. And so it goes on in verse 15, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took him up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. So if, if anyone had an important enough calling on their life to to kind of say like, oh, let someone else handle kids' ministries, it, it would be Jesus. But that's not what we see. We see Jesus take that time, you know, I'm sure, you know, whatever Jesus had going on, if, you know, because the, the way the disciples were kind of set up, they were kind of, you know, keeping Jesus back. So Jesus was probably ministering or doing something with, with other people. And uh, Jesus says, no, we always have time for, for the little children and and has his has his disciples let the let the children in. And so I would just, you know, encourage you guys in that that if that's something you're seeing or that's something the Lord's putting on your heart to to serve. You know, like I said, it's not a lifelong calling. It's not like you're going to have to be in kids ministry your whole life, but if you see that need and and you're asking the Lord, where where should where what is my calling? What should I be doing? And you see that need, I would encourage you guys to to try it, to follow the Lord and trust him. The next example we're going to look at, this is where Jesus counsels the, the rich young ruler. And so verse 17 says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Um, so here just a note on this, this saying. It was well known that if you called someone good teacher, the, the meaning behind it was you're perfect, you know? So like today we have good and then great, you know? It's, it's like 
good almost isn't good anymore in our, our language. Um, but, but here, this good, it means like no bad. You know, you're, you're completely good. And that's why Jesus answers him in the way he does. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. Um, and I think here what Jesus is, because obviously Jesus kind of knows where this conversation is going. And I think what Jesus here is challenging is if he was truly calling him God, if he was calling him son of God, if he was, if he, if the heart was behind the words or if it was just kind of, you know, lip service, if he was just trying to be, you know, real, real polite and real, you know, um, I don't know the right word for it, but just trying to, trying to get in Jesus's good favor by using that term, or if he really truly meant what he was saying. And so it continues, Jesus tells him, you know the commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, sorrowful because he had great possessions. Few things here. The first, I, I love how in verse 21 it says, then Jesus looking at him loved him. You know, it's almost like, like Jesus n- knew already the decision that, that this ruler was going to make. But, but he, he loved him so much, he, he had to give him that, that opportunity to, to follow him. Um, many times we think of the good parts of our calling. You know, we think of, you know, like this guy, he's a, he's a young ruler. He's, you know, it reminds me of Saul when, when Saul, uh, is talking about, uh, you know, he, he was the most righteous of the Pharisees. You know, he followed all the laws. He was circumcised on the eighth day, like all these things. Um, and, we don't think about the the other side of of our calling, you know, the the other side, which is what we have to give up or what we have to to not do to be able to do our calling. So, um, something like for me that I was thinking about, uh, and it's funny how a lot most of the time it's it's like money related. You know, for me, I know when I started feeling really called to serve and and be really involved here at Paradise, it was like company stuff. You know, I refused to work on Sundays and uh, that pretty much stopped, you know, I don't, I don't work for the company I used to anymore, but that pretty much stopped my career growth, you know, because uh, any of you guys that have had a corporate job, you're not a team player anymore. You know, you won't, you won't, uh, you won't help out when you're needed. And, and it can be hard, you know, it can be hard because um, we have to sacrifice something when we're called. You know, if you're called to do the children's ministry, you got to sacrifice time, energy, sanity. <laughs> you know, there's always something that has to be sacrificed when when you're called. And and to the point of this section of scripture, a lot of times, in in my experience, it's money related. It can either be money itself, you know, or it can be career opportunities, or it can be different things like that. Um, that that you'll be called to give give up. And the sad thing is, I think a lot of times, you know, we read this and we're like, how can this guy be so silly? You know, this is Jesus he's talking to, you know, he could, he could be following the Jesus and the disciples. He could be right there with them when all of this is happening. 
But we do the same thing all the time, right? We make those same decisions all the time where, you know, we look and we say like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, everyone probably justifies it differently in their heads, but we say something like, you know, um, well, this thing at work is only one time, you know, Jesus will be there all the time, you know, but this thing's only right now. So I got to focus on it. Or, um, you know, if it, if it's like, you know, some kind of giving you're called to do some sort of special giving, you know, maybe the church building fund is really on your heart. You know, it's like, well, you know, I was going to buy this, you know, motorcycle or I don't know what it was, you know, and you're, you're called to kind of sacrifice that in, in, I think for us, we have to really think about the the eternal picture in this. You know, we're going to read read a little bit further, and it's going to kind of talk about the rewards and stuff. But when we're giving up these earthly treasures, it's it's not like um, we're giving them up for no purpose. You know, it's not like there's not going to be, and I'm not only talking about like the reward in heaven that we're promised, but I'm talking about when we give that to like the money to a building fund or we don't do the work thing to serve in the church, that serving in God's eyes is, is worth so much more than any amount of money or any amount of like good standing at your workplace or whatever you could have gotten. Um, but it can be hard for us to see that because we see so much of just the worldly things and we we see like, Oh, I, I, you know, lost favor in my boss's eyes so that I could come and deal with a bunch of kids and kids ministry. You know, how did, how did that help? But you don't know what the Lord did with that message that you shared to the kids or that time or the, the witness that you've given to people in your life by seeing you prioritize church over, over these other things. And so, you know, that can be a calling on, on our lives too, uh, a calling to, to simply choose the things that God has for you over whatever else it would be, over possessions, you know, whether it's money-related, career-related, whatever it is. Verse 23 says, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So here Jesus is talking about... um, He's kind of making a contrast in... In the region, the biggest animal was a camel, and the smallest hole was the the eye of a needle. And so Jesus is is kind of saying that it's, uh, you know, it's 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 almost impossible for for someone with riches to enter heaven. Um, this kind of also reminded me of that verse in in Matthew six where it says you can't serve God and mammon. So mammon is is uh, you know dirty money, I guess. It's money made um, in in nefarious or bad ways or however you want to say it. Um, but I, something that it also makes me think about, kind of tying back to the last thing I was saying about money being usually the thing that's kind of the competitor, is it, when you look at the world, you know, money is kind of like your status, you know, no, no matter, you know, I heard one person say, like, if you're, if you're familiar with like video games or stuff like that, that money's our experience points in life, you know, that's our high score, you know, so if you want to compare yourself to someone else in the world, 
that's, that's most of the time what people will look at. Well, what's your net worth, you know, or, or how many assets do you have or, you know, things like that. Um, but here, you know, we say, and I think what Jesus, like the heart of what Jesus is saying is the more you're entrenched and tied in the things of this world, the harder it's going to be for you to, to make it into heaven. Because to make it into heaven, you have to forsake this world. You have to, you have to choose Jesus over the things of this world. And so I think that's the heart of what Jesus is saying here is that um, because money is like the, the biggest competitor for our worship, that it's, you know, you, you have to forsake the things of this world um, to, to follow Jesus. Now, I don't think that means, you know, because I've heard sometimes people say like, you know, all true Christians should be poor. I don't think that's true at all. Um, but I think you're, what's most important to you has to be, you know, Jesus and, and whatever he's called you to do, going to church, reading your Bible, doing that sort of thing. And not that you don't make money or you don't provide for your family, you don't do those things, but that can't be what's most important. You know, that has to be, um, that has to be secondary to, to Jesus and what he calls you to do. He, Jesus goes on and says, uh, and they were greatly astonished saying among themselves, who, uh, who then can be saved? Um, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible, but not with God for with God, all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, see, we have uh, left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So this is just one of several places where uh, it's promised rewards in, in heaven uh, based on choices we make here on earth. Um, and I don't, I don't think the hundredfold here is, is precise. You know, I don't think that it says like, oh, if you leave your brother, you're going to have a hundred brothers in heaven. But uh, what it's saying is you're going to have a, a magnitude more, you know, magnitude greater reward in heaven um, than what you would have had here on earth, this temporary uh, kind of reward. And it says... Uh, those who sacrifice enough to make themselves last. So that, that's kind of how I like to think about it. You know, I've, I've seen some people, you know, because definitely for myself, you know, I, I feel I could always serve more. You know, I'm, uh, I serve, but my heart's not always in the right place, if I can be honest. You know, a lot of times it's just like, you know, I know, I know this is what you want me to do, Lord, but I'm not happy about it. I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm not happy, you know, and, and that's not right. You know, the Lord's working on it. But to me, when he says those who are first will be last and the last first, um, I've met some people that just give and serve and like it, it blows my mind how they can just and they get joy out of it. You know, it's not, you know, sometimes to me, it's just obedience. It's just like, all right, Lord, I'm going to do it. You know, I know I'm supposed to. I'm going to do it. But I've met some people that just give and give and give. Um, 
you know, they're, they're the last to eat when it's, um, when we do potluck, you know, they're the, they're the last person here kind of cleaning up after everyone else, you know, people leave Bibles and coffee cups and everything, you know, and they're, they're doing that and all this stuff. And to me, those are the people that are going to be first in heaven, you know, and, uh, it's awesome to to think about, but that's where that that faith of a child comes in, you know. Because I don't know if you guys feel what I feel sometimes, but sometimes you know you I don't know. It's bad to say, but sometimes you're kind of like, eh, is this really gonna come back? You know, <laughs> am, am I really gonna get? Is is Jesus really gonna take care of me when I get to heaven? But that's where you you have to have that like faith of a child. You know, you have to trust that what the Lord says is true, and that by um, you know, just made me think of something else. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a doormat. But that's exactly what this is saying about if you're going to be last. You know, that's what it's saying is be a doormat now in this life so that you can be first, you can be raised into glory in, in the next life. Um, and, and that's kind of what that means to be last. And so, I mean, the prayer for me, and it would be for everyone, is just I'd be better at being last. Verse 32 says, uh, Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. So in light of what we're looking at here, the callings on our life, um, Jesus gives us the perfect example of, of what it's like to be obedient to, to a calling on your life and, and to be this picture of, of last. You know, I mean, um, not to, you know, we don't need to go into it in detail, but what Jesus went through in, in, in the, the false trial and the, the scourgings and then to be crucified and, and the mocking and, and just everything that, that happened from the, the Garden of Gethsemane all the way up to the cross, I don't know what else could be classified as last, you know, as, as, as being treated more like a doormat. And, and Jesus is obedient to that because that's, that's the calling the Father put on his life. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, he says, you know, Father, if there's any way you could take this cup from me, you know, please take it from me. Um, but not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, I think that that's kind of what we need to look at in, when we're looking at what we're called to do is, you know, not like my will, like my will was I wanted to be all these grand things and be, you know, the, these, uh, these self-glorifying things, but say, Lord, what's, what's your will to be done? If it's, you know, to, to serve in facilities, if it's to go greet people, if it's to go knock on doors and hand out, you know, door hangers or whatever it is, I want to be obedient to that. I want your will to be done and not mine. Um, and something else I, I find interesting here is is Jesus knows the cost of of what the obedience is and, and continues to to be obedient. I think a lot of times we have the grace in that we don't we aren't told everything it's going to cost us sometimes up front. You know, up front we we're kind of like okay, I'm just going to be faithful. And sometimes it gets hard, and and you know some of these kind of things will happen to us. And I know for myself, if I would have known up front, I might not have 
been obedient, you know, which, which would be bad for me. So I think sometimes we're, we're given the grace enough not to know that these things are happening. But Jesus, being the perfect example, knew what, what he was going into and, and still was obedient in it. And so, um, you know, kind of like the underlying here is, you know, that sometimes we don't like our calling, you know, like Jesus prayed in the garden, you know, take this cup from me. You know, I don't like this calling, Lord. But um, if we're faithful to, to do it, you know, that's where the, those rewards will come in. Those first will be made last. Um, verse 35 says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I always thought like every, I always read that. And every time I read it, I go, how bold these guys are, you know, like they go up to Jesus and just be like, Hey, Jesus, before I tell you this, I just want you to do whatever I ask you. <laughs> like what? Okay. And, you know, of course, Jesus, you know, he says, he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And he said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left, uh, in your glory. Um, this kind of reminds me again of of what I thought my calling should be, you know, and I think the way God taught me like what what my real calling is is similar to kind of what he's going to tell tell these two, you know. But Jesus said to them, "You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with?" And of course, you know, they said, "We are able." So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And then the ten heard it. They began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus here kind of spells out what it means to fulfill a calling on your life. Uh, You know, what it means is to serve in, in whatever capacity you have in your current situation. You know, so if... If you're, uh, you know, stay-at-home mom and, and you've got kids and, you're, and your capacities to serve, you know, your family, your kids, your husband, the, the church. If you're in, in a job, you know, your job is to, to be the best witness you can be at that job, you know. It's to, to be a light in the darkness. That's what you're called to do. If, if you're, you know, you've got a neighbor, you know, that fell on hard times that, Either they're a Christian or, you know, maybe you don't even know them. You just know there's a hard situation and the Lord's put it on your heart. You know, be obedient in that and go and and serve in whatever way you can. You know, it doesn't always have to be just giving. You know, maybe it's bringing them some food or just giving them someone to talk to. Um, And so here, you know, Jesus gives this picture. And I love the term, you know, he says, whoever desires to be first shall be slave to all. You know, and that's that's a pretty strong statement, you know, going back to that that whole doormat thing. Like slave to all, that's pretty that's pretty strong language, you know, and that's what Jesus is saying is if you know, like James and John, if you want to sit on my right hand, if you want to be first, you you have to make yourself a slave to all. Uh verse 46. 
now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. It's so funny how, how you know Jesus wants them, and they're like, Oh, be of good cheer, man, stand up. But just before that, they're like, Hey, be quiet. <laughs> and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which if you guys don't know, that's a, a and you know, rabbi means teacher or master. Rabboni is like an endearing, you know, it, it's, uh, it's like a more uh, loving, affectionate way to say teacher, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So now something interesting happens there, right? Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. Uh, I like to contrast this to the young rich ruler that we looked at earlier. Jesus told the young rich ruler what? To follow me. You know, he said, go give all your possessions away and follow me. And what did he do? He walked away. He tells the blind man who he just healed, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And, but what does the blind man do? Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. You know, he's like, well, you know, I mean, I was a blind man before just begging. I had no plans. You know, I got nothing to do, Jesus. Now I see... Like, let's go. Where are you going? I'm following you. And to me, this is a lot of times, you know, kind of how uh, we need to respond when we have a calling on our life. You know, when Jesus shows up and and says something to us, puts something on our heart, you know, there's tons of different ways that that Jesus can, like, give you something there. You know, it can be an announcement made and, and you just, like, kind of feel like, oh, man, you know, someone should do something about that. Or, you know, it could be you're just here in church and you see like, oh man, you know, the carpet's dirty or something like that. Someone really should, should vacuum that. You know, whatever it is, go and follow Jesus on that road. You know, don't, don't be like the, the rich guy who's like, oh man, yeah, I wish someone would do something about that and then, then head on back home. You know, follow, follow Jesus down that road and, and serve and, and follow that calling. Um, so in closing, uh, your calling isn't always going to be glamorous, but it will be important to God and it should be important to you. No matter how little it may seem, um, you know, those, those little things here on earth are, are going to be great in, in heaven, you know? Um, the fact that, you know, you, you suffered through a, a Sunday with the, with the kids and, you know, uh, shared the love of Jesus with them, even though, you know, you're probably not going to see it, you know, just from experience, I'll tell you, you're not going to see it in the class. You'd be amazed, you know, when you talk to people, you know, I talked to some of kind of like the younger youth, you know, in their twenties or whatever, how much children's ministry made an impact on their life and kind of set their, the course for their life, you know, from that, from that very beginning. Um, so no matter how small it may seem, you know, if you're, you're vacuuming the floors or whatever, you know, that might seem like a small thing, but, but to God, that's important. It's important that one, you're serving and being obedient in that way, but two, that, that 
you have the humility to make yourself last. You have the humility to do those quote-unquote insignificant things in the name of the Lord. Um, you know, witness in your workplace to your family. There's no calling that's too small. Um, the other point I want to leave you guys with is your calling will require sacrifice. Um, we're called to be a servant or a slave. And, you know, to serve someone is going to require sacrificing time, sacrificing your, your talents or treasure or, or anything like that. So there, there will be something that has to be, be sacrificed and just, just be prepared for that. And know that you'll be rewarded a hundredfold, you know, in, in heaven with whatever you sacrifice. And uh, the last thing is finding your calling isn't hard. If, if tonight you're wondering what my calling is, you know, what, what is, what's the calling the Lord has on my life? You know, the, the, the main thing, and this is kind of the, the overarching umbrella I hope I, I leave you guys with, is your calling on your life is to follow Jesus, wherever that takes you. You know, and so if following Jesus takes you here to Paradise Calvary and you, you get plugged in and you start serving, then, you know, praise the Lord. Or if it's, you know, going into missions or if it's to, you know, have that talk with that guy at work that, that you know needs to know the Lord or, you know, whatever it is. I think that God's given all of us callings that, that we can kind of think of. And I, I think why so many people struggle with and, and ask that question, I just want to know what God's calling is on my life, is because we don't see it as a calling. We want this the things I mentioned in the beginning, these grand things that, you know, God's going to say, you know, be a pastor and go plant a church in Ethiopia, you know, or something like that. And not saying that that doesn't happen. It definitely does. We partner with an orphanage in, in Ethiopia, and um, you know that was the calling that was put on Argo's life. But more times than not, it's it, it's stuff that's that's in your reach. You know, it's stuff that's in your daily life. That if you're just aware of it and prayerful about it, um, God will point out all kinds of things and all kinds of ways you can fulfill the calling He has on your life. Amen? All right, I'll pray for us, guys, and they'll close us in a song. Dear Father, I just want to uh, thank you again for my brothers and sisters that were able to make it out tonight, Lord. just want to uh, pray for the next couple of days as we remember the, the birth of Jesus, Lord. And um, I just want to pray for the conversations we'll have, um, the different dynamics and relationships with, with different family and extended family, Lord. Uh, allow us to be a light, Lord. Allow us to recognize the, the callings you have for us in those situations, how we can be a servant, how we can uh, be a slave to all in this holiday season, Lord. Um, just pray for a blessing, Lord. Pray for tomorrow night, our Christmas Eve service, that um, you would bring many people out, Lord, and it can be a a great time of just rejoicing and, and celebration um, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.